In the name of our crucified and risen Lord, amen. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. After a term of service in the Roman army, St. Martin, St. Martin of Tours, later settled in France where he founded a hermitage, a new chapter, a new page turned towards a new life. Like many of the monks who would eventually walk in Martin's footsteps, Martin spent much of his time in the humble enclosure of his monastic cell. And it is there in that place that the story begins. Though it may seem mythic and perhaps a bit outlandish, in one of the accounts of Martin's life, it is believed that he was once visited by the devil. Although then again, depending on your journey, maybe it feels all too real. Anyways, what we are told in this account is that when the devil first arrived, he found St. Martin where he expected to. He found him in his cell, in his room, deep in the midst of prayer. Well, as the devil often does, it's said that he made his appearance not only to fool Martin, but to test him as well. Clearly having an idea in mind for how this would go, the devil sent before himself a dazzling light. And it was in the midst of that light that he then made his approach. Adorned in kingly garments, the devil wore a purple robe and a diadem. He wore a crown of gold and gems. The devil's expression was calm, his face joyful as he approached Martin, who, it is said, continued on unwavering in his prayers. Now, at the first sight of the devil, our saint was clearly taken aback, maybe even amazed. But what comes next was a long and profound silence, and because the devil hates silence, he broke it. The devil said, Martin, acknowledge who it is that you behold. I am Christ, and before my descent to the earth, I chose to manifest myself to you first. But upon hearing these words, Martin kept his silence longer, and so the devil repeated his audacious claim. He said, Martin, why do you hesitate? Believe as you see, I am Christ. But blessedly, blessedly, what came next was a visit by the Spirit, and it was by way of this visit that Martin was gifted with a revelation. And it was by way of this visit that he was granted the knowledge that it was not the Lord who was before him, but the devil. And so, mind cleared and newly equipped, Martin responded to the devil. Not clothed in purple, nor radiant with crown, did the Lord Jesus say he would come. Unless he comes in that fashion and form in which he suffered, unless he comes bearing the signs of the cross, I shall not believe that Christ has come. Well, at these words, so the story goes, the devil vanished like a puff of smoke and filled the room with a stench so foul that there was no doubting that it was he and not the Lord who Martin had sent to flight. Yes, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. This morning's gospel lesson from John finds the disciples in a terrible state, bringing us back to where we were last Sunday, bringing us back to the third day, the day of the resurrection. The disciples are once again in the upper room, but the door is locked and they are quite fearful of all that remains on the other side. 
As many have noted, this is quite a different approach to all that happened in those days compared to the women in John's gospel. It's only a few lines before the verses we read today that Mary Magdalene makes an early visit to the tomb where Jesus was laid, a story that speaks to a profound pull towards God, both in the depths and in the heights. Or as Bishop Fulton Sheen puts it, to the honor of womanhood, it must forever be said, a woman was closest to the cross on Good Friday and first at the tomb on Easter morn. Yes, given all that, the disciples in today's gospel account don't fare especially well. But as we know, that's nothing new. The scriptures are filled with story of God's people making a terrible mess of things, followed by no shortage of stories of God's return, of God's renewal, both of covenant and of relationship. And the gift of today is another chance to spend time with one of those stories, one of those beautiful stories of God's return. Given the history, the disciples had every reason to be fearful, not just of the world that waited behind that carefully locked door, but of a resurrected Christ. Remember, on the way to the cross, Jesus' followers had not acted especially admirable. They denied him, they betrayed him, and when it really mattered, they'd abandoned their Lord. But when Jesus came to meet his disciples on that first Easter, he simply said, Peace. Peace be with you. He said and he meant it. Because when he showed the disciples both his hands and his side, what he was showing them was not a triumph of life for his sake, but for theirs. What he was showing them was that no mistake, no instrument of death, no failure of character could possibly be so awful as to permanently separate them or anyone from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In fact, those who know are often too eager to tell you that mistakes have a funny way of drawing you closer to God. Yes, my peace be with you, Jesus says, my peace be with you. But of course, the bridge from this part of the story to the next part of the story is the reality that not all the disciples were currently present to hear these words and marvel at these wounds at this initial appearance, at least not at first. But the story wasn't over for Thomas, and it's not over for us, too. John's Gospel account continues, and it continues with wondrous news. Thomas, the other disciples exclaimed, Thomas, you won't believe what we've just seen. Jesus has returned. We have seen the Lord. We almost couldn't believe it, but he showed us his hands where the nails had marked him. We were filled with fear and doubt, but he showed us his side, too. Gosh, it really was extraordinary. Now, it's at this point in the story that Thomas says something that gives him a bit of a reputation as a doubter, but I think this is unfair, and maybe you do as well. For one thing, it's pretty easy to note that in the wake of this news, Thomas probably just wanted to see and experience what his friends had just witnessed so that he could be a witness too. And for another, what we know from the rest of the passage is that a mere week later, Thomas gets his chance to see and experience Jesus and he responds by saying, my Lord and my God, exclamation point. A response that has long been understood as the strongest affirmation of belief that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the Lord. Yet good as those two reasons are for defending Thomas, and they are good reasons, there's another point that I wanna lift up that I'm struck by, and that point is the reason I began by talking about St. Martin 
in his encounter with the devil. I began with that story because I think both Martin and Thomas know that if Jesus is going to come, that if Christ is really going to meet us, then he's going to come knowing something about pain and suffering and loss. He's going to come wearing scars. We have a tendency when we approach this story to talk about doubt like Thomas is the only person who knows something about it. We have a tendency to talk about it like it is the only one to have that play a role in our lives. But of course, that was true for the other disciples too, just like it's true for us. Doubt is as necessary to our survival as a pulse, but like any feeling or sentiment, it can go too far. It can carry us away. A week after Easter, after the day of the resurrection, Jesus comes back to the room where we saw him last. And that's a good word for us as we gather back in this room, in this holy place of meeting today. It's a good word because in just a moment, we are going to celebrate the sacrament of new and unending life in God. Coming to the font, we will all either take vows or renew them. But the reason we speak those vows together is that they ask a lot of us. They ask more than any one person could ever fully approach on their own. But when we are baptized, we are baptized into a long and wondrous relationship with God, a relationship that is as sure to have highs as it is to have lows. Just ask the disciples. But one that comes with an unending promise that Jesus will never stop seeking us, scars and all, doubts and questions included. It's a promise that longs to tell us as often as it needs to, that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.